0: 94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares.
1: Ninety-four-seven Kumu, it is 731 on the Rise and Drive. It's Devin. And Melanie. And uh, we have got also on the phone, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Mm-hmm. Hello, sir. How Good are morning, you? Guys. morning, Good morning. Nice to have you with us. Thank you
0: for having me. It's a mellow morning. Yeah. One hurricane one pandemic.
1: I <laughs> just a casual Friday. <laughs> <laughs> your, your normal Friday. Now, uh, something that is not normal is uh, the amount of cases that we got yesterday. Do you want to kind of talk story about that a little bit?
0: Sure. So yeah, 55 cases was an extraordinary number for us. Mm-hmm. Not at all extraordinary for the mainland, but for us it is. And that's what's, that's what's most relevant. Uh, I will say that it was not just also one spot that had 40 cases. They were spread out pretty widely across Oahu, 50 of the 55 cases were on Oahu, and that does lead to concern because that suggests uh, pretty pretty broad community spread. Mm-hmm. I, I am hopeful, and we'll know in a couple hours, maybe even by the end of our show today, uh, though we t- tend to share it about noon, I'm hopeful that this was the accumulation of some cases because you know there's been delays in getting results. That is important because if we're seeing the, the relative rate increase, that also suggests that we're heading into a new phase of covid. So all these things are relevant. We had one fatality yesterday. Almost all all but four people have been quite elderly and so that's also common for the disease. But this is what we're facing and it will guide a lot of decisions. I'm sure you're going to want to talk about school closures or school reopenings and what, you know, what the overall impact is. So I'm an open book for you, but the 55 cases did
1: worry me. Mm. Uh, it's the fact that they're more spread out i'm trying to figure out the best way to put this um like we were sort of able to narrow it down to a group of people are you happier that it's uh if it's like all in one spot it's all contained right here let's just tack it and go because there's still sort of this tracing thing that we're dealing with right uh we still yeah, don't quite have it, tracing done
0: it's better if it's um kind of a small outbreak in one spot that's that's easier to manage. If mm-hmm. if it's 12 cases all in one family cluster, then you know what happened and you know more quickly, it's easier for the department of health to rally their contact tracers around one site and one kind of the epicenter of disease rather than if they're very spread out and they're doing a lot of hard work. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want more tracers, but that's just because I, my bias is to overwhelm, use overwhelming force on this challenge. But the, uh, spread pattern. It's even worse, of course, if it's spread to multiple islands. That that was not significant yesterday. If it had been like 30 cases on Oahu, 10 cases elsewhere, 10 cases in another county, 10 cases in another county, then it's really making me ne- even more nervous. So today we'll be telling. We're headed, like I said, into a new phase. And I I'll tell you, I hope everyone really lays low for two reasons. One, you have to be safe from the storm, which will come sometime after midnight on Sunday, as we turn into Sunday, from Saturday night to Sunday. And also, these cases, 55 is manageable. Uh, It's terrible compared to 6, 10, 12, but it's manageable. We can get by. Hospitals are okay. If it takes the next leap, we're going to start having real problems. And you're seeing what's happened in Texas and Florida and California.
1: Mm -hmm. And, And by leap, you mean taking it from people becoming infected to people dying?
0: And I mean leaping also in numeric numbers to, to three to much larger numbers yeah. statewide. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, one of the challenges that that we've talked about is that the number of accumulated cases ultimately gets reflected in the hospitals. About all, about ten percent of all cases end up resulting in a hospitalization. So from yesterday, five or six people end up in the hospital, and one out of sixty-five people that have contracted COVID nineteen and and we've been able to to test uh, positive. One out of 65 has died. So these numbers end up being reflected in more, um, you know, severe realities.
1: Uh, We are here speaking with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Kind of just get us all caught up. And there's so much going on uh, in the state, not just with the COVID-19 thing, but also with uh, uh, Hurricane Douglas that's headed on the way. And and we'll get into that, too, as well, uh, Lieutenant Governor, if you don't mind. Um, I did see uh, an article about... um, a high rate of COVID-19 among Pacific Islanders. Are, are you seeing something about this as well?
0: Yeah, the, the, the rates in, um, in the Pacific Islander community are far higher. In fact, they were vastly higher on the mainland among Pacific Islanders. Like There was one county where the rate was 200 times higher, I believe, than baseline. So wow. it's a reflection, probably not of genetics or anything. It's more a reflection of uh, the way people live in close quarters with large extended families, are very tight communities, lots of gatherings that are heartfelt and necessary culturally, but of course can lead to spread. All of those are risk factors. So we've seen that here. And of course, there's also the challenge that a lot of our Pacific Islander community in some parts of the state lives closer to uh, poverty or month-to-month uh, capacity to survive economically and that creates a lot of problems because you don't have as much access to good health care and screening and so on. So all these things do collide, and they they really mean that we should spend extra resources and focus on the Pacific Islander uh, brothers and sisters that we have here.
1: Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, uh, pivoting just a little bit to talk about the education uh, system, I know that yesterday uh, the uh, Board of Education had a hearing, and there were 4,000 pieces of testimony which is crazy. A uh, majority of it yeah. saying they need to slow down the opening of the schools. Um, what's, the uh, what's the administration doing uh, to sort of get this all sorted out?
0: Well, I think you heard pretty much what I was saying earlier this week, which is that the the necessary steps to protect teachers and students. In other words, a very comprehensive, well-written health plan has not met the standards of the parents. And you have to realize that people are very, very sensitive right now because life is on the line and there's uncertainty. Uncertainty is what creates 4,000 pieces of testimony to go slower. That's, that's really what it's about. I, I have every expectation that they will have to slow down a little bit until teachers, students, and parents alike. And I'm, I'm right there with them. I've got one kid in public school, one kid in private school everyone realizes that there's exposure and the risk of spread. People aren't dumb. The risk of spread is significant. This idea of bubbles, which is is nice and necessary to have a concept like that, doesn't necessarily play out as far as reality goes. Children will burst bubbles. Let's be clear about that. Especially young ones and adolescents who are going to socialize. So I think that until you see a comprehensive plan where we know we have extra tracing and testing for teachers, And frankly, even then, 30 or 40 percent of of families are probably going to decide to do distance learning. That's that's what I expect. I think that's what you are going to get. I think that if they don't have a comprehensive health plan, they can forget about getting families on board.
1: Mm. Okay, thank you. Uh, We have Lieutenant Governor Josh Green uh, on the line with us talking COVID-19, talking schools. from your position as a doctor, are you seeing in any of your research some new stuff that we've discovered about the virus itself?
0: Yes, actually. So one, one good thing is that we've moved into phase three trials uh, for several of the researchers for the vaccination. And that's very, very good news. I think that by the end of the calendar year, we've got a pretty good chance of having some vaccinations out there that will be ready for the public. It's rushed make no mistake, and, and so it will be a little less certain that it's totally safe, but they're, they're now studying over 30,000 people in one study, so that's a lot of data, Wow! and it will show whether or not we have, exactly, whether or not you have any widespread side effects or complications. Of course, you won't have long-term, like chronologic long-term uh, analyses, so you won't know, okay, what is it, like, six months out or a year out if, if some vaccination concern arises, but it should be pretty safe. And I'm, I'm really hopeful that this is the case because it, that is the answer. Getting ultimately uh, herd immunity and vaccination control of this, or any virus for that matter, is really what you need. So right now we're trying to bide our time. We're trying to keep the, um, the health carnage away from us. Of course, there's the economic challenges, and we're, we're going to really have to up our game continuously every month. If people have extra needs for unemployment, uh, sustaining dollars for housing, you do not want any more people homeless, and and just food, food subsidies, it'll probably go up. It's already about 20% of people who need some food support. That number could go up, in my mind, as high as 40% based on how many people live month to month. So we'll have to be very uh, thoughtful about that and considerate that people will have needs if we keep the state closed.
1: Wow. Okay. Lieutenant Governor, I'm going to... Switch gears again and uh, and talk about uh, Hurricane Douglas, if you would. Uh, can you give us some details about where you guys are at with that?
0: Yeah, there's, um, well, right after I leave you, we'll have one of our uh, early emergency briefings. At 7 o'clock this morning, our excellent Hiema team, led by General Hara, uh, Luke Myers, these are just terrific people. Uh, forgive me if I don't know more names, but they are all over this. And so they've already launched the Emergency Operations Center. They're on it. They map this stuff by the minute, and we are able to get very, very good scientific data on where the storm is, how fast it is, and so on. Uh, a little refresher, you have tropical storms, and then you have hurricanes, right? And when people are just in a tropical storm, it's when the winds aren't quite as, as fierce, like 73 miles per hour and less, although that's still a terrible and risky storm. And then you go into hurricane categories one, two, three, and 4. The higher the number— the more severe the hurricane. Forgive me if I'm, you know, sharing basic. No, it's fine. And right now, it's, it's a hurricane three. It's so, it so it peaked at hurricane four briefly, and now it's settling down a little bit to a hurricane level three. That means sustained winds of around 120 miles per hour, and we're expecting sometime late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, to start feeling the effects of those winds. The winds, as you as you heard in the weather reports, the winds for a hurricane are. About 25 mile radius around the center of the hurricane. That's where you get the hurricane force winds, and then the gale force winds. The other winds beyond that that are a little lighter, although still very serious, go out over 100 miles. So we're expecting, as of now, as of now, late Saturday, or early Sunday, like I said, to start feeling the the effects of this storm. But hopefully, it will weaken and turn north. I don't think that we should focus on the trajectory completely. I think we should focus on preparation. Uh, as 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 Luke and General have told us, you want to be very careful because these things can turn quite quickly. So you essentially you prepare for the worst. You get real safe. Everyone should have a gallon of water per person per day available. They should know where their shelter is if they have to go to it. Usually like elementary schools in your area. You can look at the uh, the um, Red Cross website has a great site or Hiema website. They have lots of good information. And you have your medicines in case you have to take medication for whatever health problems you've got, and you get ready. So hopefully it just becomes a lot of rain, but if, God forbid, the storm slams into, say, first the Big Island and then Maui and then over crossing over to Oahu, you just want to be totally ready. What I would recommend for people is prepare to lay low for the better part of the next four days. Don't take any risks once the storm comes. And also be mindful that you're going to have to have masks on you if you go to any of the, uh, any of the centers, the, you know, the places to go and, and be safe. Because if you go to uh, a facility that is essentially packed with people, we don't want to see extra COVID spread either. That, that is important. So um, please, please be mindful that we've got two crises here. We've got the pandemic, and we don't want to see these numbers go up. And we also don't want to see anyone lose a life acutely with the storm
1: yeah thank you very much Uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us Uh, yeah that's part of what as you were talking about I was thinking wait we're in a COVID-19 time how do you how do you shelter at a shelter with a whole bunch of people with a (laughs) COVID-19 thing you know what I mean because yeah I mean yeah are there going to be protocols in place or obviously the, the mask thing but are there other things
0: Yeah, the shelters are already setting it up so that everyone will be six foot distanced and they will make sure that families stay in close clusters. Also, if people have a kind of a family bubble that they've been with, those individuals would all stay in the same area. But we still have to thin out the overall numbers at the shelter. Now, if there's an acute storm that's barreling down on us and you have no choice but to go to a shelter, a shelter and the possibility of catching COVID is still uh, much more important as a decision to make and to go to. Than putting yourself in harm's way of 120 mile per hour uh, hurricane winds. You have to always. This is where you have to essentially triage what your own personal risk is. And if your personal risk is enormous from a storm because your house isn't up to standards for a a big hurricane or you've been forced to evacuate, you'll have no choice but to go to the shelters. And we will provide uh, extra masks. We'll provide good guidance at the shelters, best of our ability. Uh, City and county tends to run these things with the Red Cross. They they will work very hard to open up extra facilities. We'll be making these kind of announcements on on the news and through the Emergency Management Network and so on, Civil Defense. But don't don't hesitate to go to the to the shelters because of COVID. You'll have to do it because look it's it's just the most emergent and immediate threat that you have to avoid.
1: We have Lieutenant Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here. Uh, he's actually in his office because they're. Getting ready for the big meetings, mm-hmm. not just COVID-19 meetings, but also a meeting about uh, uh, Hurricane, Hurricane Douglas, Douglas, correct?
0: Yes. I mean, when you're stacking two different crises like this, you really have to give extra credit to Hyema. Um, and I think we go 8.30, 9.30, 10, 11, 2, 4, you know, I mean, like, and, and we're, tra- we're tracking also the fact that yesterday was that surge with COVID. So this is kind of a critical moment. Um, we're trying to see whether it's a turning point or just kind of a, a you know, a part of this process where you're going to have days higher and lower. I'm looking at the seven day average right now just to check things out. And it comes this this number came, I believe, 19 or 20 days after July 4th. So it seems to be outside the range of when a surge should happened. But there's still a fair number of unknowns about COVID-19. So, uh, you know, I never really dismiss anything like that. It's hard. It's really just hard to say.
1: Mm-hmm. Now I'm trying to get a handle on what is happening with California. I mean, not to get off of our state because it's important, but uh, I'm mm-hmm. looking at what's happening on the mainland and thinking, okay, are we in for this as well? Because California did a pretty good job, I thought. I mean, they opened up a lot earlier than we did, but still. Uh, so are uh, you seeing it, some lessons it, it, there?
0: Yeah, it depends what our opening looks like. Um, California did have to shut back down. They realized later that it, uh, it they were too aggressive in their opening. Mm-hmm. And so... We may that that's that's relatively straightforward if we see that we start surging like California we'll take a step back That's when you'll take a, you'll see just one full step back from what we did open before and of course pause the larger initiatives like how we deal with school openings and and openings to trans-pacific travel. It's too early to say that I don't want to um, throw a wet blanket over anybody I just want people to be realistic that you know, that's how you have to view this thing, right? You, you view it through that lens.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it seems like a half, half step back has already been taken with the, the mask implementation at gyms, and then I know that some bars have a, a curfew now, and so I f- that would be the first thing to go again if, we, yeah. if things decided started spiking again.
0: Right. Half step mm-hmm. backs are usually responses or panics, and then full step backs are, are planning, Mm-hmm. in my in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So uh, the half steps are perfectly reasonable to do. Don't don't oh, get yes. me wrong. It's just that you know it, when you when you see those half steps it's because people are just spooked and they're getting lots of letters and there's there's uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. So you know the the key is to continue to do long long range planning no matter what. If you have to scuttle those plans it's fine. You know that's that's no big deal. Mm-hmm. But you don't you know you don't stop planning. But you, also you don 't want to run into the buzzaw of california right that 's mm-hmm. really where you're talking about
1: mm-hmm. now uh yeah. how have you been feeling about our um our travel plans again i mean I know well, we've we, gone to September, but now i mean are we with fifty five where are you at
0: uh i'm I'm still going to make sure that everything uh gets uh gets ready. I mean, where we are is we're going to get as many partners as possible and have them be prepared to do what we have proposed, which is have to have a test within three days of travel, have to go through a process that has a digital system at the airports, have to go into quarantine facilities, in my opinion. I think that's that's emerging as a more, a more likely uh, operational need to have quarantine hotels. Really, we're calling them alternative Um, alternative sites uh, where we could actually enforce it. But all those things I think make a lot of sense. And then we still, if we see huge numbers on the mainland or we can't manage our, our own disease with contact tracing, we'll delay. Mm. If we delay, we have to have more economic support for people who are, who are struggling, but we, we prefer to live. That's, that's the, that's the ultimate bottom line. We have to, have to protect our, our health and safety. So, that's where it is right now. I would say it's a coin toss as to whether or not we can get there, uh, or should get there. Even on September first, it's not really a good idea, in my opinion, for me to speculate on a, you know, on a day when we got a storm bearing down on us. And yesterday was our biggest case number. Because if today is eight and tomorrow is six, is everyone going to say suddenly, oh, let's uh, let's all have a California party? We shouldn't uh, do that either, right? Uh, right? So we should be mindful of the trends. We should be mindful of our capacity. To, uh, to really do this right, and then uh, and then we'll see. But that's why you force me onto the radio every seven days so that I can <laughs> continue, continue get updates.
1: Well, you yeah. know, one of the other things I was, I was curious about, I have a couple of friends who were worried that they had gotten COVID, um, and one took the test, and it was two to three days to get results. Yeah. Another friend took the test, and it was seven days, almost nine days. To get the results. Yeah. Is there a reason why this is happening?
0: There is. Uh, it's because the reagents are lower. And so and there's a huge surge of testing needed uh, to be done on the mainland where they have like, these massive outbreaks. And so there's just when the t- when the test gets sent in some cases to the labs in the mainland, it creates a huge backlog. Or if we have a shortage of, of reagents, it, it delays it. Really, we should always have the capacity of about 5,000 tests a day and we should be able to do it here. One of the problems is that we have not fully embraced the um, the slightly less accurate, I mean, but not, not a lot less, like uh, sensitivities of like 92 93% mm-hmm. of the rapid tests. If we use more of those, it's kind of a, a safety net. And then when there's a positive, we, of course, go all in with the, the full PCR or the nucleic acid test. We can you know, we could test a lot more people. So a couple of things are happening. We're going to do some pooling now. The uh, labs are working very hard on the pooling technologies. That's putting four or five samples together. Uh, if people are low risk and testing them all at once, it also is only one cost of a test, which is nice. So we're going to do those things. That will make a big difference. These are, these are just the big picture things that I think we have to do. And if we do it well, then you have a better chance to open schools, right? Because then you can test teachers frequently or student classes frequently. And if you test more and you are able to trace a little more quickly, you keep these bursts from occurring. So I think, uh, I think we're in an okay spot, but I know it's very frustrating for, for an individual who gets a test. If you're symptomatic, you want that test turnaround to be one day because you don't want to be wondering for seven days, nine days, are you infecting your loved ones? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, okay. It's the best
1: advice. I mean, i that's what people were saying, is that if you think you have it, you feel like you have some symptoms for it, act as if you do until you have a, mm, a guarantee or right. an answer of whether you do or not. Exactly, mm. exactly. exactly right. We are here with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Uh, every week we have him come in and talk story with us about all the different stuff that's going on. And there's there's a lot to deal with yeah. uh, for you. I, I don't envy your job right now, Lieutenant Governor. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy out there. Um, is there anything that you are particularly worried about at this point? I mean, besides the obvious with the hurricane coming down.
0: Uh, well, I'm, I'm very focused on what will happen if we do end up catching an unlucky break and this is one of those hurricanes that turns into us rather than away from us. If mm-hmm. that happens, people should listen very, very carefully for their options. They should have, in my mind, at least two options of, of shelters that they would go to, emergency shelters, so that they can quickly make a determination of which one has more capacity we'll try to get as much information as possible i hope that the i hope our capacity will include telling uh the news exactly how many people are in each shelter at a time so that and where there's more space so that we know we can space out safely if it comes to that but yeah i'm you know i'm not i'm not overly worried i think that this hurricane probably and i'm hopeful probably will weaken and turn a little bit north uh, but don't don't let down your guard. Mm. If that's the case, then people will actually lay low at home and it will benefit us as far as COVID goes. Maybe people take a couple of days off work if there's heavy rains and any any risk with flooding and so on. And what that will do is it will diminish actually the caseloads. And mm-hmm. I've been saying for quite some time, I really have wanted to see uh, July and August be times where we lower the case rates. It was actually July. I wanted to do it. For the most part, because we were at one point headed for August 1st for some increase in our economic activity in schools. But now we've got the extra month to breathe. We're going to hear next week from the Board of Education uh, what they're going to do. If I'm just being honest, I've never seen a situation where they got 4,000 pieces of testimony from nervous parents and they didn't make some adjustments. So yeah. they probably will do that and we'll survive. Eventually, kids will have to go back to school. It's important. My children are going to go back to school, but, you know, it gives them more time to, to get our game together and to get that testing and tracing in place and maybe to even rethink some of the um, overall strategies. They're, they're doing a good job because there's no clear win, winning strategy, but more time to get distance learning in place, more time to get uh, tablet computers for kids and internet access for kids that haven't had it before. All those things are very valuable. So some cases, more time is better. I would say this, just just everyone be careful. This is not the time to mess around at the beaches or whatever. Spend a little time today making sure you have adequate water. Make sure you have, you know, a couple weeks of your medications on hand. Definitely have good masks prepared in case you have to go to one of the Mm -hmm. emergency shelters. That's the main thing. If you do those things, you're going to be fine. You really are. If you, if you don't need to go to a shelter because you're in a total safe space, leave that space for someone else who needs it more, but always be mindful that whatever the greatest risk that you're facing is, is what you have to address up front. That, that level of triage is important for us all to do. And so, you know, people know for years whether they've needed to use shelters or not based on where they live. Make a couple calls today to see where there's capacity or there, there's more likely capacity and we'll be fine. Uh, and then later today, I'll update everybody on the number of cases. We'll we'll start talking about uh, seven day and fourteen day averages to give people a little bit of a broader perspective. And I uh, I honestly think Hawaii's going to be okay, but mm. this storm, you know, could be a little nasty. So be careful. I you know I uh, I had an old classmate named Douglas in residency, and he was pretty mean spirited. So yeah, uh, um, <laughs> you know, so it's not clear how this is going to play out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is his aura coming well, back. Know, right? What yeah. did you do to him? Were you mean to him? Because, uh, you know, maybe you can take that he back. Call him up and take he that was back. Was mean to me. He was one of my senior residents.
0: Oh, back oh no. gosh. Okay. <laughs> Give me tough times. So it's, I don't know where that dude is now, but I'll be smiling. Reincarnated as a hurricane. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this thing coming after Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much as always for uh, spending this time with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for all the uh, care Uh, that you're giving the people of Hawaii. We appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you next week, correct?
0: Absolutely.